Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1. And Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. This is the little boy who Jehoiada the priest made king after his wife had saved the boy when he was two years old from the wicked Athaliah. They kept Jehoiada hidden for five years, and then Jehoiada made him priest and killed Athaliah. 2. And Joash did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest, because Jehoiada became one of his chief counselors, and so he always taught him the right thing to do. This was a huge help to Joash when he was young. 3. And Jehoiada took for him two wives, and he begot sons and daughters. 4. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to restore the house of the Lord. He wanted to do repairs and improvements on the temple because it was long overdue. Athaliah did not take care of the temple while she was queen. 5. And he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out unto the cities of Judah and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year, and see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hastened it not. Joash told the Levites to hurry up and gather money from the people. 6. And the king called for Jehoiada the chief, and unto him said, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the tax of Moses the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel for the tent of the testimony? Moses in ancient times previous to this had gathered taxes from the people or money from the people to take care of the tabernacle. And now Joash wants to use that same type of money gathering to take care of the temple. But the Levites have just been slack. It's like they expected it to happen without doing anything. They didn't have a plan. And maybe it was just a lack of leadership on the Levite side. It was like, oh, he's doing it, he's doing it, he's doing it, but actually nobody's doing it. 7. For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God, and also all the hallowed things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon the Balaam. Which means Athaliah actually damaged the temple by breaking silver and gold off of the ornaments and different things in the temple to use it for her evil temple to Balaam. 8. So the king commanded, and they made a chest, and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. Now they actually have a plan to collect this money. They made a chest to receive the donations in, and then they are going to set a guard to watch over the chest. 9. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring in for the Lord the tax that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. This was the same tax in which the men of Israel had to pay a ransom for their sons. In ancient times, pagans would sacrifice their children to the idols and kill their children. But God said, you're not allowed to kill your children. God was totally against that. But he said, I'm going to have you pay a ransom for your firstborn to me, and then I'll use that money to take care of the tabernacle. And that's where this tax came from. It's an actual ransom to the Lord for the lives of their children. And it's basically saying, thank you, God, for giving me this child. But the money gets used to take care of the tabernacle. And in this case, it's going to be used to take care of the temple. 
10. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end, meaning they were totally happy to give. And we even see this today, even among non-Christians. They're delighted to give money to any cause that they think is worthy. People love doing this. It makes them feel good about themselves. The people did want to restore all of the damage that Athalia had done to the temple. They absolutely hated her, and they hated everything that she had done. 11. And it was so that at what time the chest was brought unto the king's officers by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, the king's scribe and the king's chief priest's officer came and emptied the chest and took it and carried it back to its place. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. Every single day this chest was getting filled up with money, maybe not to the brim, but it was getting a lot of money put in it on a daily basis. People were coming from all over Israel to deliver their tax. And so every day the scribe and the chief priest's officer would take the money out, count it, store it, and then put the empty chest back to collect more. 12. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to such as did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord, and also such as wrought iron and brass to repair the house of the Lord. Masonry is not allowed for an altar, but it was allowed to build buildings. The Freemasons claim that they're descendants of the Masons in Israelite history and blah blah blah. That's all total hogwash. They're not descendants of those Masons at all because you have to pay a fee to become a Freemason. If you're paying a fee to become a Mason, there's no way that you have lineage from anybody. They don't enter in by their pedigree. Also, it doesn't matter who has lineage from those old Masons because there's no Bible verse or passage that says that by being related to one of those Masons that you will go to heaven or have any kind of special blessing in your life. It's a non-issue. The Freemasons are an absolute cult, and they use Masonry to make their altars, which means they're a pagan cult. They also, in their higher echelons, make pagan sacrifices of animals and people. Way up in the highest echelons of masonry, they do absolute witchcraft. It's all a money-based pyramid scheme where the people at the highest echelon are criminals. That's what masonry is all about. It's organized crime. The way secret societies work in general is there's criminals at the very top breaking laws every single day, and then they use idiots who join their community who pay them to keep their organized crime going. And then those idiots, when they get brainwashed enough to move up into the highest ranks, they become criminals too. And when I say idiots, what I mean is these are people who believe what they're told. And then they're so easily brainwashed into later becoming an actual working member of the organization. So don't believe what you're told except when God speaks to you because then you're hearing the truth. But don't believe what people tell you. Read the Bible and believe God and you will be saved. 13. So the workmen wrought, and the work was perfected by them, and they set up the house of God in its state and strengthened it. They collected enough money to hire the men to do the work, and they did strengthen the house of the Lord and replenish a lot of the gold and silver ornamentation and instruments that had been stolen. 
14. And when they had made an end, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, whereof were made vessels for the house of the Lord, even vessels wherein to minister, and buckets, and pans, and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. Now that's Jehoiada the priest, who is a counselor to King Joash, who actually installed him as king, according to the word of the Lord. And they used the excess money to restore the vessels that Athaliah had stolen. 15. But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days, and he died. A hundred and thirty years old was he when he died. Now remember in the book of Genesis when God said, I will not allow man to live over 120 years, he didn't mean that no individual could ever live over 120 years because many people lived past 120 in the Bible after God made that statement. What he meant was in a 120 years, the flood is coming. That's what he was literally saying. When God made that statement, it was 120 years before the flood. So Jehoiada the priest died, 16, and they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel and toward God and his house. 17. Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and prostrated themselves before the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. They have a request of the king now that Jehoiada is dead. Laying prostrate is when you lay on your face in worship or reverence to somebody. So they laid on their faces in front of the king, most likely at his throne. 18. And they forsook the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their guiltiness. Evidently, what they had asked was to go back to idol worship, and they worshipped the king as well, and he allowed them to do this. Notice earlier in the chapter, it said that as long as Jehoiada was alive, Joash obeyed the Lord. And now that Jehoiada is dead, Joash is allowing the people under him to go straight into paganism and start sacrificing their children again. Which means Joash was very impressionable. He would listen to the advice of anybody, whether it was right or wrong. But as long as Jehoiada was alive, he was the top advisor. So Joash always did what Jehoiada told him, but it didn't get ingrained into his heart. He himself didn't really care if what he was doing was right or wrong. He only cared to obey Jehoiada. So as soon as Jehoiada died, he started listening to other people who told him to do wrong and it didn't make any difference to him. So he didn't have much of a conscience. It's a pity that Jehoiada died because that exposed that Joash didn't have much of a conscience and wasn't really in love with the Lord. 19. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back unto the Lord, and they admonished them, but they would not give ear. He means God. God sent prophets to Judah to admonish the people who were practicing paganism, but the people would not listen to the prophets. 20. And the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, and he stood above the people and said unto them, Now God has clothed Jehoiada's son, who is also a priest, and he has clothed him in the Holy Spirit. Now this isn't anything that a person could see physically, but the Holy Spirit came over Zechariah. And when this happens, 
When God clothes you in his spirit, amazing things will happen. I think this has happened to me a couple of times where I became full of faith and a phenomenal miracle happened. And it's probably because God clothed me with his spirit. And I know God will do that for anybody who's following him. When the time comes when he needs you to step up and share the gospel with people or believe for a miracle, he'll clothe you in his spirit so that you can do it. And Zechariah said to the people, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. You know, the other prophets came and they didn't listen. So now Zechariah is saying, God's abandoned you because you've abandoned him. 21. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. So they did kill Zechariah. Jesus later spoke of this in the New Testament, that they had killed Zechariah in the temple. In the New Testament, the Pharisees criticized Jesus for defiling the temple when he wasn't, and he told them, your fathers actually killed Zechariah the priest in the temple. So you have no right to tell me that I'm defiling the temple. Your fathers defiled the temple. And for that, they really wanted to kill Jesus because they were reminded of the sins of their fathers. So here's the time in Israel when the Israelites actually killed one of God's priests who was a righteous man in the sanctuary. 22. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require it. And on judgment day, the men who killed Zechariah will stand before God, and he will punish them for what they did. And that's why this was such a monumental sin that Jesus even mentioned it in the New Testament. It says that Jehoiada was Joash's father. Now, he wasn't his biological father. But he was his spiritual father because he gave him good spiritual advice when he was alive. 23. And it came to pass when the year was come about that the army of the Arameans came up against him, meaning Joash. Because of Joash's sin, God allowed the Arameans to come up and fight him. And this happens over and over. Every time kings sin, they get attacked by pagan armies. And they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all the spoil of them unto the king of Damascus. This was when they took a whole bunch of prisoners of war out of Israel over to Damascus as POWs. And they killed the princes because the princes would have been fighting to defend the people, so the princes got killed, and then the people got kidnapped. 24. For the army of the Arameans came with a small company of men, and the Lord delivered a very great host into their hand, because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers, so they executed judgment upon Joash. And in this case, the Lord allowed a small band of Arameans to overtake a large number of people from Judah. This is a reverse of God's usual miracle. Usually he allows a small band of Israelites to overtake a huge army of pagans, but here God reversed it because of the sins of the people and the sins of Joash. 
25, And when they were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases, his own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest, and slew him on his bed, and he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchres of the king. He had had such a good reign as long as Jehoiada was alive, and he was obeying what Jehoiada said. But as soon as Jehoiada died, he spiraled spiritually downhill, because he didn't care who he was listening to. And they murdered Joash because he had killed Jehoiada's son, Zechariah. And then they refused to bury him with the other kings because of his wickedness, and he deserved this. 26. And these are they that conspired against him, Zabad the son of Shimeath the Ammonitess, and Jehozabad the son of Shimrith the Moabitess. Isn't it interesting that both of these men had pagan mothers, and God used them to kill a pagan practicing king. It's interesting how the justice of God works, and God would later punish Shimeath and Shimrith because of their sin in murdering their own king. 27. Now concerning his sons and the multitude of the burdens against him, and the rebuilding of the house of God, behold, they are written in the commentary of the book of the kings, and Amaziah his son reigned in his stead. The next king would be Amaziah his son. And the Bible is telling us that any other details we want to learn are in the books of the kings, which we have already read. So you can go back and review that if you want, but there are other details there. The good that he did was he rebuilt the house of God, but then he ended his life in sin and destruction. We got to be really faithful and not let our lives end in sin. We have to be faithful to the end, just as Jesus said. And the way we end our life will show what our final judgment is. So don't turn your back on the Lord. And that concludes Second Chronicles chapter 24.